I think that in this pandemic and in this whole whole season and everything that is going on in our world and in our country right now, it's opening up uh, our eyes and it's kind of showing us what position we are in and it's highlighting the position of other people and it's making us ask the question like what are we going to do about it what are we going to use do to use the position that we're in or the the privilege that we have to impact people and i think this pandemic has showed me just how much privilege i have and i think i knew it before but i think it just highlighted it for me in that i'm not experiencing the effect of the pandemic like a lot of people around the globe are, or I don't experience the the impact or the brokenness or the heartbreak that other people experience because of how I grew up and where I grew up and and my community and my surroundings. And um, I don't want to just sit in that. And I don't want as a community us to just to just sit in that. I want us to actually grow together and actually learn. Like, what does this? What does this mean for our lives when we figure out the position that we are in, the voice that we have? What are the next steps uh, for us to take and how, how do we even move forward? And I, so I think that's the question that I want us to ask today. Well, hey, John, thank you so much for joining us for our third conversation. For oh, the it's my, my privilege to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do here at Riverwood? Uh, yeah, I've been with Riverwood since it started. Um, now my title would officially be the community pastor, but I, um, as one of the pastors, just oversee all the programming that we do in our neighborhood um, and uh, some of the movements that we have internationally and just really the expression of our church that falls outside the walls of our buildings typically are our church um, operations. Mm -hmm. yeah. And how long have you worked here for? Oh, I've, I guess I've worked here. We just had our 25th church anniversary. Um, and technically I started part-time the very first summer that um, the church was going, but that was on a summer grant running mm -hmm. a day camp and then went through college and then started full-time, I think two or three years into the church. So somewhere around 23 like or 20 whatever it's actually forever. crazy you have known me your whole my whole life not your whole life i have my whole you, life your whole life that's yeah. so weird yeah. fun fact for everyone out there they <laughs> won't actually care but that's okay what led you to want to be a community pastor well i kind of migrated into it uh, the position i'm in now uh, i began kind of with the you know as a young uh, engagement there running all the music and and uh and then also in, in youth programming. Um, so that's, you know, was my entry point. And back then it was just, we were growing and I found the roles that I could fill. And then, uh, yeah, I'd say, I don't know, seven, about six or seven years into the church, I just, um, I always knew I had a, a bit of a mark of compassion in my life that God mm -hmm. had placed and, and always had a, um, a real affinity towards, um, towards seeing need and, and wanting to be a, a part of, of that, mm -hmm. uh, being in that. And so I think I migrated there and it just became a natural fit, especially when we moved into this neighborhood here in Elmwood, it became a mission of our church just to, to really make a, an impact on the needs around us in mm -hmm. our neighborhood, not just to exist with a postal code in yeah. Elmwood, but to have an impact on, on the neighborhood and to really see the, the, some of the issues and see the causes of them and to be mm -hmm. a part of, of helping there and so so that became a natural step for me to take and and stepped into that and and yeah for the last I don't know I guess 15 
years or so that's been the role that I've played. Wow. So for a lot of people, they have like a set moment where they can remember at first seeing like injustice or poverty. Do you have a moment like that where you remember so clearly like where everything changed? That's a great question. I think uh, certainly I would point back to uh, um, I was when I was in youth group, I was taken on a, a trip. Um, we would call them a mission trip, and and but we went to northern Mexico, and I, I'd say I saw a lot of poverty there that really did mark me. Um, so I think that was a really important experience for me. But I would rewind it even further in my life. Um, growing up, my dad was the uh, director of Youth for Christ, um, and so uh, I, I knew him in the context of ministry. But he also would often um, get involved with some of the at-risk kids that he was dealing with. Um, he would get personally involved. He would, you know, see a need, and and then we would, as a family, kind of engage to help meet a need. So that ranged from, you know, sometimes seeing kids come over to our place to, to get some help, or going somewhere to rescue something or to whatever. So we were just observers as we grew up mm. in that. Yeah. And then, um, and then my parents also, um, for many years, uh, fostered. Um, mm. Was we were a foster home, and so I always had. Um, uh, foster brothers or sisters um, in the in the house and that became a part of our um, experience of just knowing that um, we needed to be a safe place for other people and so I think those were really formative experiences for me in growing up and just realizing that um, you know our world was bigger than us and and even you know special events like Christmas we always had we always looked for somebody to invite to Christmas dinner wow. like who doesn't have a place to be and so our norm even family wise was to have others um have space in our hmm. house yeah that's cool how that just like was so much a part of growing up and now it's like that is still your reality and that's something i think that you're doing with your family of like bringing your kids to the christmas um gatherings like christmas day with the community and like that sort of thing which yeah is cool. it's it's become really important for me to to recognize the value that I gave in my life and yeah. to impart that to my kids and so I've actually, in the role that I have, often in, in, I get involved in situations that maybe are, you know, feel a little bit more mature or, or risky um, that, that I have to get involved in. But I've, I've not often shied away from involving my kids in seeing that. Obviously, mm. I don't place them into high risk. Right. Um, but, you know, um, but I haven't tried to shelter them from seeing some of those realities. Mm. And I think that's an important thing for me is them to see hey, the way that we, our lives are, the safety even of this house isn't always the norm for everybody. And mm. I want you to see that. I want yeah. you to, to feel the impact and also see that, that we carry a responsibility to that. Mm. So yeah. when we have privilege or when we, I've been granted privilege in the sense that I had a loving home. I, had, I never questioned mm -hmm. my value to my parents. I, I was given opportunity. I was, you know, we didn't have a ton of resource growing up, but like, there was nothing that was not available to me mm -hmm. um, and schooling, whatever it might be. Yeah. And so with that, it comes with a responsibility. I want my kids to, to really see that. Mm, yeah. And that's something that I've been thinking about lately with the pandemic going on. Mm -hmm. It's like for the first time in a long time, our entire world is involved in the exact same thing. Yet our experiences, even from one community to the other, one household to another, is so different. Yeah. I think I've been realizing that I am so privileged in this pandemic. Like, as someone who has a really stable family, I have a job. I've never at one point in this pandemic questioned, like, 
am I going to have money for food or to pay for my house or any of that? Yep. But that's not the reality for so many people. So I'm experiencing this pandemic very differently. Do you think that privilege plays a role in the pandemic? And, and what do you see with that? Yeah, I mean, I, it certainly does uh, without question. Um, it's this this season of our, our, our lives is going to be very fascinating to me to see what we emerge with, um, because I think there's a there's multiple things. One is, on one hand, those that are privileged, um, that the one of the natures of this virus is that it doesn't care um, right. about privilege, and so the actual impact of the virus is a threat to anybody right. equally. Um, and so I think there's something in the psyche there where it was like, oh, uh, everything that I have can't actually protect, and especially at the onset when we didn't know how severe or how far-reaching this would be. I mean, we, there's still a lot of questions about that. But um, I think at the onset, there was a sense of like, oh, okay, like we're all in the same boat as far mm -hmm. as impact. Um, that's, I think, more physically to the virus. Now, um, certainly privilege, I think, has played a role in, in how we maneuver through it. Um, I think, you know, it was, it was really interesting to me at the beginning in our setting, in our society, we've never really... Um, experience a true level of scarcity from a societal point of view. There's a lot of people that live with some scarcity, but um, but on a society level, I think at the beginning, there was questions of like, hey, are we going to have, I mean, the toilet paper, the right. yeast, the uh, whatever it might be, name the one piece that, that flew off the shelves quickly. Mm -hmm. And there was a sense of panic around that, I think, because most people haven't tasted um, scarcity in right. their lives and yeah. so they didn't quite know what to do with it and it quickly turned inward hmm. um, at, you know protective I want to need to protect my family or whatever and I had an interesting I'm, I'm going off uh, track here a little bit but I had an interesting experience early on where I'm, I just had this moment of clarity where um, we we do uh, some support work in Eswatini um, hmm. and so there's these rural communities that we support and um, help uh, to get kids uh, access to education, to food and such. And when we go to visit there, we often do home visits and we'll bring a gift to the home. And it's usually a big bag of beans or rice mm -hmm. and some food or, or whatever just to give to the household. And um, they live in scarcity. I mean, right. more than we'll ever know. Um, but their, their gut reaction or their initial reaction almost across the board is when they get a gift like that is to immediately piece it out and share it with their neighbors because they know wow. their neighbors are in need like their physical neighbors wow. that's their first instinct yeah to say okay this is amazing but um, my neighbor needs and my neighbor needs right. and I had this moment at the beginning of this pandemic where it just was like in stark contrast to what we were seeing around us in the mm -hmm. in the first sight of scarcity for some our initial instinct wasn't hey, my neighbor needs, it was like, I got to fill my house up. And even in the face of that, knowing that if I'm going to go and buy a bunch, it's actually going to make it less available to others. Right. So yeah. it was just a very fascinating kind of initial response. And I yeah. think we learned some things about ourselves and then we're growing in that and hopefully exposing some things yeah. um, to How our society. Yeah. How do you begin to change that mindset even? So like the people in Eswatini, their, their first reaction is like, okay, I'm going to go give this to other people. Yet our first reaction is like, how much can I get for myself? How do we even begin to like change that? Because that's just like a lifetime of wiring that we've yeah, had in us. I mean, this is a daunting task to even answer that. Uh, or it just feels like an overwhelming question mm -hmm. because I think it's structural. I think it's um, our 
the structure of our uh, society, but even of just the values that we've, you know, built some of mm-hmm. our um, economy on really celebrate, um, yeah, individual, um, right. in, you know, success. It doesn't, we haven't done a great job of, of building this idea that we are responsible to each other. Um, mm. I think that stuff is emerging and it is within our, there is pieces of it, but, um, but when you maybe that's part of what I love about the Eswatini culture and what it does when we visit there is it exposes some of those, those poverties that we carry, mm. um, in our, in um, different ways. Right. Um, so starkly because they, they have such a sense of responsibility to their neighbor. Mm. Um, and I, I think, yeah, it's, that's a difficult one because you can encourage, but oftentimes when we encourage people to move towards there, it's in the form of charity, which isn't always that helpful. And it's usually kind of maintains a power imbalance mm. versus this idea that, uh, of equity of, of being, um, yeah. kind of on the, on the same level and, and uh, sharing, um, kind of a level ground with people, regardless of, of mm. sort of, can you explain that a little bit more? The whole idea of like charity, not actually being help, like charity. I mean, charity is a necessity in, in many times when, when you have a famine, when you have a crisis, um, you know, the, the right answer isn't always to just say, Hey, let's, fix the structure of that or let's help resource the structure of it. It's to say mm-hmm. there is that there's an emergency. Mm-hmm. And so I think charity is needed in those contexts, but it oftentimes, um, especially perpetual charity builds, um, uh, a sense. It just creates this uneven sense that there's the givers and there's the takers mm, right. and, and it actually kind of, um, compounds on itself to, to actually steal away what, people need in order to rise above some of those mm. things. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I think, um, charity is ne- necessary and it's, it's, um, it's something that we're all motivated by because I think we do have compassion for people. Mm-hmm. We see a need, but, um, it's usually a safe version. It's usually arm's length. It's saying, Hey, I see that need, but here's something to help it. Not, um, I'm going to get involved in a way that costs me more than sort of an arm's length reach. Mm. Um, so it's, it's a complicated thing. I mean, I, much of what we, well, all of what we do is fueled in a sense by charity and in giving, but, um, but I, I like to always push beyond that to say, it's like, we we need to, to become people that move into solidarity, that move into the spaces of the need, not just, um, to try and, um, solve them Mm. at an arm's length. Right. So what do you do if you are a young adult who is very much just in their own world, in their own community. How do you even begin to step into those spaces? Hmm. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's a great question. I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways. In fact, uh, in many ways, the young adult culture, I think is, um, is much more in tune with how to move into spaces Mm -hmm. and be comfortable in, when things are not resolved or to, mm. to, to kind of spend time there. But, um, but I think it's just, yeah, it's about being willing to take some risks and to, to get to know, like uh, for me, it's always been this idea that we, we even let's take our food bank, which is a charity model. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's necessary at this moment, but, um, but 
the greatest joy for me in, in that help is often when people kind of are using it and, and, and then we get to meet them and we get to, to, you know, they get to trust us. And then all of a sudden at one point we, they open up their stories to us and we realize there's so much more going on behind the scenes of this need. And so let's, let's kind of now say, why is it that you need to use a food bank? Mm. And um, what are those things that have you know caused that that need in your life and how how can I actually understand them and then understand that maybe I'm a participant in creating that need in your mm -hmm. life and now how do I adjust myself to create e equity there um, right. because of the systemic um, issues that that are underlying that mm -hmm. So I think it's it's about moving into spaces and then listening and learning mm, wow. and really understanding that um, when you're in a place of privilege, um, your voice becomes dominant and oftentimes um, we disregard the voices of those that we maybe don't mm. match the privilege because we feel like, hey, maybe their voice doesn't count. They haven't shown success. So what do they have to contribute to the conversation? Mm. So, I mean, that's that might be some underlying truth to how we would see it. Right. But the reality is, um, you know, there's so much value and, 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 and intuition and understanding that we have to learn from people and we often don't listen. Hmm. So I would be my, my, my advice is to move into spaces where some of these things exist to, to even move into places that are uncomfortable hmm. um, and, and then to listen and to learn because yeah. you'll understand a lot more um, what we typically kind of see on a bird's eye view as simplistic issues are often much more complex. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You preached a sermon a while ago, and I still remember it really clearly. I think you're preaching Amos 5. Is that right? Where yep. it was uh, let justice flow like a river or yeah. let righteousness flow like a river. Can you explain that a little bit? Because that like really impacted me in the way that I see justice. Um, and just like the idea of it being a continual thing in our lives. Right. Um, I mean, I'm getting old, so I don't quite remember the sermon that I preached. <laughs> so um, I should have pressed you on that. Uh, but um, I mean, I do. I, Amos is a, a very powerful book. And it's, mm -hmm. and it's a book that was written as Injustice was all over the place. And, um, and essentially just this, this very stern um, and... Um, I mean, some harsh words in there saying like, hey, you're missing the mark. Mm. Um, and, and I mean, justice, uh, it's um, the word in, in the Hebrew text is mishpah. It's, it's actually often translated as righteousness. There's a lot of righteousness um, words in the Old Testament mm. that are actually mean the same thing in, in its root as justice. And mm. it is a core understanding of the world that was created by God to be in right relationship with each other, which means that um, we are, so, you know, uh, that for me, the worldview is this, that when the world was created, when God dreamt up um, where we were, um, it was to be in right relationship with each other, mm. um, with the earth that he created and with, with our creator, with God. Yeah. And, um, and so then the story of scripture is about how that's been broken. And so it's been broken on many levels. Our relationship with God was broken. Um, our relationship with the earth was broken. Um, and we see that and we see the impact of that in a very severe way right now in our yeah. time, um, how we're really, uh, yeah, just abusing this relationship that we were supposed to be caretakers of. Mm -hmm. 
but then with each other that that's to me is is as apparent as ever that um we're we've gotten outside of our you know our uh, way that we should be operating and, and it always has been I mean mm -hmm. we've always been broken in that and um, there's so many ways that can be exposed in our society in our lives how we don't see each other on equal I mean even the events that we see right now are so mm -hmm. important because they're bringing to light um, the inequity uh, the um, and, and the racism that is underlying some right. of these pieces yeah um, and all of that comes back to this broken relationship that we have with each other where, mm. um, yeah, it's, it's selfishness at its root. It's, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And, and some of, so privilege is an interesting thing because, um, it, it exists and it's not even that it's all bad. I mean, we, we all have experienced some forms of privilege in our lives, mm -hmm. but, um, but it also is, it, you know, on the other side of it, it exposes some of the, um, some of the dark sides of, of our society and, and yeah. ourselves. Right? So what does it mean to let justice flow like a river? Well, that's to me is just the vision that God had for our earth and to make room for God to move and to move us to a place of, of seeing each other hmm. and, and being responsible to each other and caring for one another and, yeah. um, and, and to building back up um, those that, have lost their voice, um, giving them space, giving them, mm. um, you know, um, the, the, you know, taking away the ways that we've, um, utilized our privilege to just build more resources and mm. say, no, this needs to be distributed right. in, a, in a proper way. Yeah. Um, so that we all have access that we all, you know, mm -hmm. and, and where it gets complex is that we often see them in simplistic ways of like, Hey, just everybody pull up your, your, your boots and tie them up and get to work and like um that's just such a um th there's so much missing when we just view it as that in in our own history so mm. typically for me anyways i'd look back and say i had so much provided to me that uh and then when i hear other people's stories it's like i don't i think you're doing better than i would have if i was given your mm. story yeah you know and and so what do you do with that right um, but we often have high views of ourselves and what we've achieved and yeah. discredit the the ways in which that was kind of handed to us mm -hmm. in many ways. One of the ways that we're seeing young adults uh, work towards fighting injustices is through their voice on social media. Yep. So we're seeing this a lot. I mean, social media is kind of our biggest platform. The average young adult will have between like 300 to 1,000 plus followers, and that's a huge following. That's more than most churches yeah. to let their voice be heard. But do you think that that is the best way to bring awareness and to fight some of the injustices in our world? Is that even, can you, is that justice? So uh, I'm going to be careful with my answer because it, it could just make me irrelevant and old. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think, I, like social media, I guess has has uh, some great merits to it. It is a it is a bit of an equalizer, mm. um, and so I think there's some really important ways in which that's um, become a, a movement to our modern culture of mm -hmm. of being able to yeah giving voice where voice would never have been heard. Mm, so I think yeah. some things emerge where it's like, hey, this incident would would never have 
hit the radar and yet it's important for everybody to hear about what's going on because right. it exposes this, right? Yeah. So these are things that are valuable. Yeah. So I, I don't discredit it. But, um, but I think, um, and I guess this is just my perspective. I'm mm -hmm. not very active on social media. I think my last post was in, in 2017 or something. So. Um, your first and your last. <laughs> so, but I mean, I, I peruse it every once in a while and I, I'm not totally disengaged, yeah. but, um, but my take would be is that there's a great deal of pressure, probably, especially on the young adult, um, population probably to do it to to have a have your platform appear the right way so if there was some sort of a movement on social media you have to your sometimes your decision isn't like hey yeah let's jump on board because we need to fight that it's more like hey what if I don't respond to that one what am I going to look am I going to look mm -hmm. on this side of the issue or this side of the issue or what if I say this I have to be so it's I think it's it, at times probably led to us um just trying to position ourselves um, mm. or to create the right response for from an acceptance point of view. I don't mm. know. I mean, I don't know that, but my my instinct would be to say that that's a pressure that exists. Sure, yeah. Um, and, and, and what you do with that. Yeah. And the other thing that I would say, probably um, my perspective would be, is that um, these issues arise and they're important, and so then you can use social media to bring awareness to it. But part of my questions would be like, hey, do you remember which cause you posted on six months ago? Mm, wow. So what was it that you were really passionate about in that moment because it rose to the surface of, of kind of social media at the time, mm. and you're like, yeah, let's, you know, I'm in, I'm in, like, and you voiced and you voiced it strong and and what was that hmm. so if you'd retrace it i'd like to know how you're reacting to it right now right. or what that caused so where where did that have cause and effect in your life where did you actually now shift how you live your life or hmm. what you're doing or what you're involved in and so my so part of the questions i would have i'm not i wouldn't prescribe this but to say is like when you look at that um, how deep or shallow are those engagements? Hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that I say often, and, and this is true for me, is that I will take one ounce, I will take an ounce of action hmm. over 30 tons of uh, social media activism or posts. Like, hmm. yeah. it's worth way more to me now. I'm not discrediting right. some of the value that that brings. I'm just saying in, in my life or in, in others, that's where I would challenge it to is to say, mm -hmm. if, if this is, um, you know, what you're posting on, or if this is something you're jumping on board, then truly dig into what the issues are and, and then center your life around that mm -hmm. I mean, wow. or move towards action within yeah. it. Because without action, I don't know, my take would be is it's all pretty shallow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good word. What would you say if you were to challenge or encourage a young adult in our community, and you could say anything around privilege or justice, what would you want to challenge them or encourage them with? I would say, number one, um, uh, for me, is that you have the eyes on um, on our culture at this moment. And, mm -hmm. you know, and so don't don't dismiss the impact that you can have in in creating some changes and shifts into our societal values. Mm. And so 
we're pretty stuck these days. I mean, I, I try and stay loose enough to, to say, hey, let's expose the ways that my life has, has um, you know, maybe missed the mark on some of these pieces. And, and I want to remain teachable and open to those things in my life. Mm-hmm. But we're pretty stuck in the ways that we've, you know, developed and, and built our, our society. Right. And yeah. so you have this, this, these fresh eyes that come into it as every generation has mm-hmm. to say, we can clearly see what this is missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that brings me great hope that there's, there's emerging generations that are going to say, Hey, this, we can see how to do this differently and to lead that way. So don't discount your, the, the value that you bring into mm-hmm. that. Um, and at the same time, um, be careful uh, not to define yourself by what you're against, because mm, I think wow. that's um, I think that's part of what I struggle with is that um, is that it's 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 so easy, especially in in a day where everything is exposed and every everything you do is potentially going to be on the screen because you just never know what's rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so easy to be able to pick apart things. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, don't grow up and realize that you were never for something mm. Wow. that you were just always about dismantling something. Yeah. And so figure out what that is and let that drive you. Mm. So don't, it's not that we you know, don't, Hey, don't call out anything by all right. means, like expose, expose the stuff. And even in my life, like, Hey, you say this, but look at this, like, mm. it's not matching. Like I want that. Yeah. But I maybe don't want it, but I invite it because I know right. I need to, yeah. <laughs> um, and I do want it. But um, so don't 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 take away those pieces. But um, I think you could quickly realize that you're just uh, you get stuck in figuring out what to what to kind of dismantle. Hmm. Um, and dismantling is important at times, but you need to rebuild. What do you? What is it? What yeah. drives you? What is that underlying? And then build around that. Yeah. And and maintain an optimistic outlook. Like I think some of social media, I guess, or even just, um, yeah, this time in, at this time of our society here, um, pessimism might be a little tricky to, to maneuver around or maybe pessimism is the wrong word, but yeah, just critical, uh, a critical side to, to society can mm. be there. Um, uh, but there are, there's a lot of good and a lot of trustworthy pieces um find something that you can believe in and and define yourself around that and Mm. and let it dismantle through the that some of those positive moves versus just sitting back on a couch and and using a pellet gun to to see because everything can really be dismantled everything all of us um you know have broken outlooks on life all of us carry brokenness in in our viewpoints um so they can all be dismantled but what are you going to do to to build yeah mm. that, that'd be oh, that's what so say. good i love that i'm so excited to share this with our community and i feel like it's just the beginning of a much like larger conversation that us as young adults need to have mm. and so i'll be encouraging our community just like continue this conversation continue to like ask about ask those questions and ask how can i yeah rebuild now what i'm dismantling and so those were really good thoughts thank you so much thanks for having me yeah You know, I love what John challenged us with. He challenged us to be aware of the injustices around us, to be aware of our own privilege and and how we can have a voice to impact our world. But then he also challenged us to not just destroy 
all of the flawed thinking that's in our society, but to actually work to rebuild something that God is calling us to. And right now in the climate that we're in with all of the racial tension going on on our continent, this is, this is real for us more than ever. We are looking at issues that have been going on for so long that now are just continuing to remind us of all the heartbreak in the world, all of the brokenness in the world and it also reminds us that we have a voice that use it to to correct all of the wrongs that have been happening for so long so as our generation we want our voice to be heard but then we also want to surround our lives around these issues this isn't just a trend that is going to be going on for a month or two this is not just a fad this is something that we need to be building our lives around and sometimes it can be really overwhelming to just know where do we start? How do we even begin to surround our lives with this? How do we even begin to be known by what we are for and by who we are for? And I think the first step that we can take is just becoming really aware. And so we're going to be posting some of the resources that as a community have been really helpful for us in, in becoming more aware of the injustices, of our own privileges, of the action steps that we can take. And we're just going to take one step forward to to creating the world that God is calling us to and one step forward in becoming a generation that is known by what we are for.